Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 24th of April 2011, entitled Essentials of a Biblical Easter, Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 to 53. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to be opening your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. All right, we'll be taking... A reading from the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning in verse 1. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word. Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, returned from the sepulcher, and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. Their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. They talked together of all these things which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. 
certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They drew nigh into the village where, whither they went, and he made us as though he would have gone further. They constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? They rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and Suppose that they had seen a spirit. He said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they yet believed not for joy and wondered. He said unto them, Have ye here any meat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. It came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Father, we thank you again today for, Lord, this part of the account 
of that which we celebrate this day, Lord, which, Lord, we refer to as Resurrection Sunday, as Resurrection Day, as Easter, by many different terms around the world. But, Father, the events that we celebrate are those that we just read about. Now, as we take this time today to look into your Word, we give you thanks and praise again, Lord, for health and strength to be here, for each one that has been able to be here. We thank you for the place that you've given us to meet. We thank you for your Word that you've preserved for us that we have to look into, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. We pray now, Lord, that you would open our understanding as you did these disciples of yours here. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Of course, as we read of these events on that resurrection day, when they found the empty tomb, I would like for us to take from these verses and focus our attention today on these verses between verses 44 and 47. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Our thought today is simply this. Essentials of a biblical Easter. Now, I use the word Easter loosely. Uh, I personally prefer Resurrection Day or Resurrection Sunday because there's absolutely then no misunderstanding as to what we're talking about. It's interesting as I begin this week to just look at some of the different terms that are used around the world for this day that we celebrate today. And of course, in the many different parts of the world, in the many different languages, there are many different words that are, that are used, and many of them will relate to the Paschal or the Passover or, or different things like that. And, and of course, we have this word Easter that has come to be used in our English language. And that's probably one of the least fortunate of all the different ones that are used in different places because if we trace it back, it really goes back to the ancient Anglo-Saxon times and uh, uh, the word itself actually had ties to some pagan festivals that took place at that time. If you look the word Easter up in your dictionary, you'll find something like this. Learner's Dictionary says Easter. Sunday in March or April when Christians celebrate the time when Jesus Christ died, then returned to life according to the Bible. The holiday period that includes Easter Day. In Carter Dictionary says this, Christian festival in spring, a Christian festival marking the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. We find that the term, whatever the term might be used in different parts of the world, that what I want us to realize and grasp today that it's not the term that's so important as what it is that we are supposed to be celebrating today. Just as the word varies, the celebrations vary as we go around from different cultures and different countries and even different Christians. <laughs> we find that Christendom as a whole has never even been able to agree upon the date for it to be celebrated. We find that we celebrate on different dates depending upon whether the Julian calendar or the solar calendar is used to come up with the date. Many of the traditions and the way that it's celebrated, many of them are tied to the Old Testament Jewish Passover celebration. Many of them are traditions that have come down from both Catholicism and the Eastern Orthodox Church. Some of them are traditions that came to us from the Reformation when the reformers came out of that. And of course, sadly, many other traditions, some of them being Christian and some of them even being tied to some of the pagan festivals of bygone years. Believe me, Easter eggs and Easter bunnies didn't start out with Jesus raising from the tomb. <laughs> we find that they tied in very much to the spring pagan festivals that used to be celebrated but, you know, I'm glad that Easter took the place. I'm glad that those pagan festivals aren't what is still going on. But as countries became Christian, those pagan festivals were put away. But as happened so many times, traditions can get carried over and brought in. And, and of course, we find that uh, some of them get redefined, uh, sanctified a little bit, I guess, cleaned up so that they can fit in with the Christian traditions, um, and that's one of the weaknesses of mankind, I guess. But that's part of why I say, you see, I, I really, the word Easter today, you can look it up, you can define it anywhere it is, the word Easter is tied to the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you use the term Resurrection Day or Resurrection Sunday, there is absolutely no question about where you're putting your emphasis upon what it is that you are celebrating. We find that many of the languages of the world, the terms that they use are tied specifically to the resurrection. That's what we're celebrating. And that's what we want to be clear about. If this that we celebrate, whether you call it Easter or whether you call it Resurrection Day or whether you call it Resurrection Sunday, this that we celebrate as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, then may I encourage you that as we take a look into God's Word, I think that it's worthy to 
keep in mind what the Apostle Paul, under inspiration, wrote in Colossians chapter 2. As he wrote to the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, notice, notice what he says. He said, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head, from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. Why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility, and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life, shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. 
Preacher, why is that passage so important? Because I want to tell you something today. He has much to say here about getting carried away, taken away from the importance because of men's traditions and the things going on. He said, don't worry about judging one another in all your different holy days and festivals and all these do's and don'ts and all of these things. Set your affection on things above. And I'm saying to you today that it's not the traditions that have been handed down to us, whether they come from the good or the bad or wherever they come, that our affections ought to be set upon. But it ought to be set upon the one in whom we are celebrating his resurrection today. What is essential to celebrating Easter? I wonder if I ask you today, what do you think of when you think of Easter? You see, across the world, all across the world, there are too many whereby the essentials of Easter have become the things like the Easter bunnies and the Easter eggs, whether they're painted or chocolate or whatever form that they might come in. I do like them, by the way. Easter egg hunts, a new Easter outfit, a great Easter meal together, and yes, even Many meaningless religious rituals that people go through. Now, all of those traditions aren't necessarily bad. You can pick and choose what you want there. But when any of those come to be what represents Easter to us, when those become the essentials, to our celebration, we have gone badly astray. When Easter, when we think of it, and we think of the holiday, and we think of the festival, and whatever you want to call it, by whatever name that you want to refer to it, if it's those things that become essential to our celebrations, we've missed the mark. We've gone off track somewhere. You see, that which is essential, we're talking about that which is necessary. In all honesty, though I like some of those things that I mentioned, I don't know of any one of those things that I mentioned that are essential to celebrating Easter or Resurrection Sunday or Resurrection Day or whatever name that it might be called around the world. I don't know any of those that should be essential or necessary to that which we are supposed to be celebrating. You see, whatever name it goes by, in whatever language of the world, in whatever culture, in whatever stream of Christianity that it might be tied to, the thing that ought to concern us as believers, as children of God, is that we're celebrating it in a biblical manner, in a manner that is consistent with the Word of God, 
And that should be paramount in all that we do, whatever. There's festivals all through the Bible. God wants us to enjoy ourselves with festivities. We do a pretty good job of that around here. We, we don't need too much of an excuse to join together for a, for a fellowship and some food and a good time together, and that's great. God's people should. Festivals are fine. Celebrations are fine. Whatever it is, it ought to be done consistent with God's Word. Now, I'll tell you what. I can't really think of anybody that could do a better job of telling us how that it should conform biblically than Jesus Christ himself. After all, he's the one that came out of the grave. He's the one that knows it better than any of us. And he's the one that's speaking to his followers right here in the scriptures that we're reading and explaining to them what ought to be essential to them. As we turn our attention to these verses, I ask you that question, and I'm just going to pick four things out of these verses right here. Four things. I'm going to try to get at least one or two of them this morning and probably finish it off this evening. You don't come back this evening, then you're going to miss part of it. I'm sorry. I can only go so fast. First of all, what should be essential to the celebrating of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say to you, first of all, that the first essential should be a biblical understanding. A biblical understanding. You see, so many times, whatever it is, we get tied up in all the traditions and the things that get passed down to us from family, from church, from denominations, from all kinds of different things. But what does the Bible say? And do we understand what the Scriptures are saying to us? Look back again at our verses in verse 44 and 45. Notice Jesus speaking here, And he, Jesus, said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. This is not something that they've heard for the first time. As a matter of fact, we could read when we read earlier up in the chapter, we find this same thing. They'd heard the words. They knew what was supposed to happen, but they still hadn't figured out exactly what was going on. He said, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. What? That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Now from this passage and others that we could turn to in the Bible, it is absolutely clear Jesus had taught his disciples about what was going to take place when he was going to be crucified, when he was going to raise the third day. He makes it very clear right here, written in the, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. What is that? That's the whole Old Testament, everything they had, the Word of God that they had, the written Word of God. 
that they possessed. Jesus said, I have taught you from God's Word, from God's written Word about these things concerning me, concerning your Savior, concerning your Messiah. And he says literally, A-L-L, all things, everything, every word that's written about me in God's Word, every word that's been prophesied about me, it, M-U-S-T, must be fulfilled, everything. Now, as we look at verse 45, it looks to me, like something supernatural is taking place here. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. There's a big difference in reading it. There's a big difference in hearing it. There's even a big difference in knowing it and being able to quote it and understanding it. I'm saying that we've got to know more than just the words that are printed on there, the stories that are told about. We need an understanding. And one thing that is essential if we're going to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we have a biblical understanding from God himself on the matter. We find that that really shouldn't surprise us. You see, if we look a little further into God's Word, again, when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, notice what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I know I'm reading a lot today, but folks, let God's Word speak to you. This is important, I believe, with all my heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I didn't come with all the fancy words and everything else to impress you, he says, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Doesn't sound like that he's really at ease at getting up before that crowd, does it? <laughs> and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Too many peoples today, their faith, their understanding of Scripture, it all is standing in the wisdom of man and what men has said about this book and not what God himself says. Paul said, I didn't come to you with all the enticing, fancy wisdom of this world. I came to you in the power of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world and to our glory. You know, I, it, even for an old man, 
I get excited week after week after week. The time and the hours and the hours that are put into to studying God's Word and preparing these sermons. And you go back and, and you read these passages and you see these things that, that you've read who knows how many times before. And yet God enriches and God gives you something else, a, a, an understanding that you haven't seen before. His Word never runs dry. But it's more than just knowing the words. Many of those verses you can quote from your heart. And yet you go back to them and God, like a mystery. He shows you something that you hadn't seen there before, not from the wisdom of man, but from God. He says, which none of the princes of this world knew. <laughs> For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know it. They didn't understand it, or they wouldn't have nailed Jesus to the cross. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. You see, the Word of God itself makes it clear to us. We will never have the understanding of spiritual things, of God's things, through the wisdom of man. It can't come about. He says here that the natural man cannot understand those spiritual things. We find Jesus talking with his disciples here. Now he says, this is things that you have heard before. We're talking about the Word of God, all the Bible that they had. He said, I've taken God's Word, and I've taught you, and I've showed you these things. Now listen, folks. The Bible doesn't go into telling everything that Jesus had taught them. But I can assure you he didn't do no half-hearted job if he sat down with the Word of God and he was teaching his disciples, his followers. These are not words that are new to you. But yet, as he took the Bible and he taught them, we find that something else had to take place. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures Oh, that we would pray for that today.
that he might open our understanding that we might understand the scriptures, the word of God, not in man's wisdom, but in the power of God. Not in the spirit of this world, but by the spirit of God himself. He, through the scriptures, the word of God, just like Jesus was using there, he clearly reminds us that anything that was written in God's Word must be, must be. There is no doubt. There is no if ands. What is it that is essential to that which we celebrate in celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, notice what he says in verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written. We find those words again. Thus, therefore, if you would, consequently, that being the case. In other words, he's taken the word of God. He's explained it to him. He has taught it to them. That being the case. It is written. You see, for the Chris, that should be the defining factor. <laughs> that should be the defining factor. We don't have the verbal voice of God, but we have the written word of God just as sure as we're here today. And it's those scriptures, if as Jesus himself has just stated, if all things must be fulfilled which are written in God's Word, and it's those Scriptures to which as believers, He, through the Holy Spirit, opens our understanding. That's why it is written. You see, we just as surely have God's written word before us as the written word that they had then. We have more revelation. God has given us now not only the Old Testament, but the New. Thus, it is written. That's why it's written. That's why God has given you His written word God has given us the inspired Word of God, and He's preserved it for us today just as sure we can count on it, every word of it, so that He, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can open our understanding on this matter of the resurrection as with all other things that we find in the Word of God. You see, I'm saying today, what is really essential to us about Easter? What is necessary? I mean, how many times when we think of celebrating Resurrection Sunday, how many times does one of the things that comes to our mind that I have God's Word, 
that I read God's Word, God's written Word that He's given to me. And I pray for the understanding that only He can give to me through the power of His Spirit. And essential, if we don't have an understanding of what God is teaching us about it, then we can't possibly approach it or celebrate it or do anything else with it in a manner that would be pleasing to Him. We need to understand what it's about and what God wants and what pleases Him about these things. What is essential? Well, I'm not going to have time to give you the others, so what I'm going to do for you right now is I'm just going to skim them. We're going to come back and look at some of these later this evening, God willing. You see, notice he says, and said unto them, thus it is written. That's, that's, that's why it's written. And thus it behooved Christ. How many of you have used the word behooved lately? <laughs> thus it behooved Christ. You see, the word behooved means exactly what we've been talking about. This is why it was necessary. It was necessary. Thus it behooved Christ. Thus it was essential that Christ suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You know what? You can't have a resurrection without a death. <laughs> this can't happen. <laughs> you can't have a resurrection without a death. But you know, it's not just any resurrection that we're talking about. It's amazing when you get to looking through Scripture. Do you know how many resurrections are given to us within the Scriptures? Probably surprised most of you. <laughs> Well, there was the son of the widow at Zarephath that we read about in, in 1 Kings chapter 17. There was the son of the Shunammite in 2 Kings chapter 4. There was the dead man that was restored to life with the touch of Elijah's bones in 2 Kings chapter 13. There was Jairus' daughter in Matthew chapter 9 and Mark chapter 5 that it's recorded. There was the saints at the crucifixion that came out when Jesus Christ brought them out. There was the son of the widow of Nain in Luke chapter 7. There's, of course, Lazarus of Bethany in John chapter 11. And there's Dorcas in Acts chapter 9. So that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in the Bible. Now, I mean, when you start thinking of all the millions and billions of people, I wouldn't say that resurrections are just a normal everyday occurrence. But still, these eight, they were a wonderful thing. But there's no day set aside to celebrate any one of their resurrections. You see, all of those people, every one of them, had to die before they could be resurrected. But with the exception of those Old Testament saints, every one of these, even though they died and were resurrected, they all faced death again. They all faced death again. They were resurrected physically, but death eventually caught up with them again. 
You see, the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is the first fruits. Speaking of the eternal resurrection to eternal life, he was the first fruits. He had to die and he had to rise first before anybody else could have that eternal life. Oh, God could raise people up and he could bring them physically back to life again. But they still face death. All of mankind faces death. Why? Sin. That's not a hard thing. Every Christian, every child of God knows that simple truth because at some point your understanding was opened to God's Word. You only knew it because God told you that you were a sinner, but your understanding was open to that truth. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. You see, each and every one of us face death because of our sins. But there's something different about this. You see, Jesus Christ didn't die for his sins because he was sinless. He was the, the sinless lamb, the sinless, perfect son of God. He didn't die for his sins. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. He died for our sins. Matter of fact, the Bible says he died for the sins of the whole world. It wasn't his sins that he suffered and died for, as everybody else faces death, it was ours. You see, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. It was essential. It was necessary. Why? Because God had written it. That's what God had said would happen. God was the one that had shown them their sin. God was the one that gave his commandments in the first place that they might be able to know his righteousness. All through the Old Testament, we see the sin. We see that sin having to be dealt with year after year after year with all of those shadows as all of those sacrifices were taking place. But every year, there had to be more. You see, it was essential for Christ to suffer. But it was essential not just that he die any death. But it was essential that the spotless Lamb of God shed his own sinless blood to redeem all who would come to him. In faith. You see, the first essential for a biblical Easter is a biblical understanding. But the second essential is a blood sacrifice. A blood sacrifice. It was necessary for Christ to suffer. And we can look at the many passages, and we will do so this evening. And folks, for us as Christians, it's that, it's that thing that as we think and look upon God's Word, 
We think and look upon what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. Well, sometimes it's heartbreaking. Sometimes it's painful. And yet it's that sacrifice, that blood sacrifice that he made that gives us the possibility of the forgiveness of our sins. We'll come back and look at that. But I want to give you this. Thus it is written, and thus it, it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise. It, still, it was necessary for him to suffer, and it was necessary for him to rise from the dead the third day. An essential of a biblical Easter is a biblical understanding a blood sacrifice, and a bodily resurrection. It behooved him. It was necessary for Christ to die and shed his blood. It was necessary for him to be raised again the third day. Now, we'll look at that. And I want to give you this final one in closing. It says, and notice, if you've got your Bible... The sentence, when we begin reading up in verse 45, where he opened their understanding, we're still in the same sentence. <laughs> There's been no period. Even here, we've got a colon following the word day. The sentence carries on in verse 47. You see, it behooved Christ. It was necessary. It was essential for him to suffer. It was essential for him to rise from the dead the third day. And... It was essential, it was necessary, it behooved him that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And we'll look at that a bit this evening as well. You see, I'm talking about the essentials, folks. If we're going to truly celebrate Easter, Resurrection Day, Resurrection Sunday, in a day that's pleasing to God, in a way that lines up with God, then let's get the essentials right. It's not about the chocolate eggs. It's not about the bunnies. It's not about all the religious rituals that so many go through and all the different things. It's about understanding God's Word and the necessity for Jesus Christ to go and die on that cross and shed His blood and to be raised again the third day and that repentance and remission be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, or if you would, beginning at home. The fourth essential of a biblical Easter is a bold witness. A bold witness that repentance and remission of sins be preached. You see, the simple truth is, and we'll look at it in detail, God willing, this evening, the simple truth is, when Jesus Christ died upon that cross, oh, I like the way John puts it when he talks in, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, when he calls Jesus the propitiation. The propitiation, he says, for our sins, yes. But he says, not for our sins only, Brother Chris. He says, but for the sins of the whole world. The propitiation. He met every requirement that God had for your sins and my sins and for the sins of the whole world to be paid for. The simple truth is, 
Listen to me. It's all together. It's all part of the same behooved that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus come out of that grave the third day, and that the gospel be preached. Because you know what? It doesn't matter that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood. It doesn't matter that he came out of that grave on the third day. It doesn't make one bit of difference if the person never knows it, <laughs> if they never know it. You see, the simple truth is faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is why it's written. This is why it's all necessary. The greatest thing in all of history, the event that split time for all eternity, <laughs> as long as time lasts, which it won't last forever, <laughs> The reality is, when Jesus Christ died and shed his blood and rose the third day, folks, that's the news. That's the only news that can save that lost soul. That's the only thing that can give that person hope. We know, we'll look at Romans chapter 10 tonight. How can they hear without a preacher? How will they hear? How can they believe if they haven't heard? How will they hear unless... Somebody tells them, I'm saying, let's have a biblical Easter. Maybe we can pick some of these foreign names if we don't like the word Easter. I'm talking about let's have a biblical resurrection day as we celebrate the greatest event in all of history. Let's do it biblically. We need a biblical understanding a blood sacrifice, a bodily resurrection, and a bold witness. Father, I thank you today for this resurrection day that we have in celebrating. And Lord, we ought to celebrate every day of our lives. We ought to be thanking you and praising you. But I'm glad, Lord, that this event is set there that draws people's attention to it. Lord, I pray that whatever we do, Help us not to get sidetracked on the things that don't really matter. Help us to keep our focus on the things that do. Lord, you know the hearts of everyone here today. I pray that nobody here today is resting in their religion, within their own deeds of doing or not doing Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts, that you would give that understanding. They may have heard the words time and time again, but if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, that you would give them understanding, that you would help them to understand that they can. They can. What Jesus did for them was for them personally, but unless it's acted upon, Unless it's applied to their life, it'll have no effect. Lord, I pray that you would remind each and every one of your children, Lord, that as we celebrate this day, give us understanding. Help us, Lord, to take these essentials, the blood sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ and his bodily resurrection, to be a bold witness to the world around us with it. Help us to proclaim it even today to share Jesus with someone else. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Amen.